Hey, Dragoons, this is Dragoon 6. If you've got a great idea for an episode or you'd like to participate in an episode, please reach out to our public affairs officer. This is a show for Dragoons by Dragoons. And so we're always looking for great new content. It's like an applied task. You have to build trust with everybody. What role has trust played in your decisions or your actions? We cannot do what we do without trust. As an NCO or a leader, once you lose trust in somebody, it's extremely hard to go back. My ability or inability to identify with a leader personally is a real barrier to trust. At times we fear for our lives because we were put in positions that will put our lives more in danger than necessary. Welcome to Kill Tank Radio. Today we're going to be talking about trust, an incredibly important topic for leaders and for the lead. And I am so grateful to be joined today by two special guests. I'm Sergeant First Class Sean Collins, Platoon Sergeant for First Platoon Nemesis Troop and Fourth Squadron. I am Staff Sergeant Trace Roundtree. I'm the Senior Scout of HHT-12CR. So gentlemen, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's really exciting for me to have two high quality non-commissioned officers from the ranks of the Dragoons. So there's a lot to unpack here. Trust is a popular topic in leader development, certainly something that I've thought a lot about and am very, very invested in understanding more deeply because it is so important. Sergeant Collins, what does trust mean to you? You know, sir, when you brought this topic up initially, I I decided to write some of my thoughts out. And uh, the first thing that came to mind was it didn't seem like the most exciting topic. We don't talk about this a lot. It's not a bad thing. I think it's because it's so ingrained in everything we do. We're in such a unique position in being able to serve in the military that we cannot do what we do without trust. And I think because it's just a part of the fabric that we really don't address it often enough. It's not in any of the fancy buzzwords we throw around every day. So I decided to think about a few things and try to write out and articulate uh, a definition that I believe that it's a shared human investment with other people working towards a common goal. The word investment I use in there, and I, I think about that as investment, is every investment has inherent risks, but ultimately can offer great rewards. For us to be able to work together towards these common goals, when we first step into a formation, we can't really spell out that trust. We can't address it and really talk through it with each other as this is what it is, A through Z. We we just have to place that trust out there and we know what is common goal we're working towards and then we work together until we can kind of identify that. And we're constantly evaluating through it. Trust to me means that I'm not afraid to ask questions when needed. Soldiers, they're not afraid to come to me with the questions that are hard to ask because we are leaders and this is a family. Everybody's away from their family and their trust that they have to come to us and tell us their, not just their problems, but their personal experiences and what they want to do and what their career is. Or when should I ask for help? That's, that's the biggest thing. And soldiers shouldn't be afraid to ask for help when they need it. And when soldiers come to you with certain questions, you have found out that yes, they do trust you, but it's not just one or two soldiers. You need to have it as all soldiers within your formation. So when I think about what is trust, there's, there's such a human connection, such a human interaction that underpins trust that I really had to think about what does it mean? And what I came up with was, I believe your identity and your intentions. So I believe who you are, what you plan to do, and why you're doing it. When I think about those people that I trust, whether I trust them with 
the safety of my family or I trust them with my own well-being or I trust them to follow up on their word, whatever it may be, I find that each one of those components has a role. That person's identity and that person's intentions. If there's holes in either one of those, then trust is problematic. I also am reminded of live fires. And I believe that we conduct live fire training to build trust in ourselves, trust in our teams, and trust in our equipment. And that kind of comes back to that same thing. For me to believe you are trained, to believe that you are going to be attentive to my safety, that you are going to prepare for that very dangerous endeavor that's going to make us all better. I need to trust you. And, and even if I don't, you know, there's a difference between I don't trust you and, and a neutral position. That's what I come up with. I believe your identity and your intentions, who you are, what you plan to do and why you're doing it. Why does trust matter? I think trust matters, sir, because not only are we going to sit there multiple times in our career and have a time where not just us leaders need to ask for help, but our soldiers are going to ask for help. As long as you have trust, not just with your soldiers, but as you, when you trust your leaders, they're going to help you when you need it. And your soldiers are also going to come to you. It's like an applied task. You have to build trust with everybody in your formation to ensure your formation moves forward and doesn't move backwards. And that comes, like you were saying, sir, live fires, trusting a sol another soldier to not shoot you, but be able to defend your position, defend everything that's going on during live fires. But it also goes back into the the garrison life, trusting a soldier to go to the motor pool and you don't have to spot check him because everything that we do is fast paced here in 2CR. You need to be a part of your soldier's life and knowing what they want to do and what their end state is and knowing their why is going to make them trust you a little bit more. I mean, they're not going to have full trust with you right away. Like you were saying, sir, it's like a neutral. You're building from that. Whether they're asking for help, whether they feel safe asking for help, whether they see you as someone that they believe would help them, there's a lot of layers to that. But I know that's a theme to your description, and I think that's spot on. Uh, sir, when, when I'm looking at that question of why is trust matter, I think about when you first step in front of a formation, I believe there is a certain amount of inherent trust that is there. There are certain things that it might be attached to your rank, your years of service, your accomplishments. Uh, could you deploy it in combat or not? And I think in the beginning that some people are going to attach a certain amount of trust just based off of that. When I talk about how I believe it's an investment of us working towards a common goal without us really knowing each other at that point, I think that that initial trust, it provides that initial buy-in uh, to allow us to commit to that, that purpose I do not think that trust is absolutely necessary for us to act, but it is absolutely necessary for us to have sustained success. Now, that's really interesting. So not necessary to immediately act. And I think that that comes back to just the, the discipline, right? The discipline and the training, but certainly necessary for sustained success because over time, that buy-in doesn't continue if you don't have the trust, right? And you need that buy-in in order to be able to sustain success beyond just an initial in, you know, independent action. Yes, sir. And I like talking about buy-in because whether we like to admit it or not, you always need buy-in from your subordinates for sure. Um, now, what that is in the form of will depend on the formation you're in front of or what mission we're working towards, but you have to be able to illustrate to your people 
what it is we're doing and why it's important, as well as where they fit in. You're providing them that purpose. Uh, you're going to continue to have to prove yourself to continue to hold and earn that trust from your formation. But the honest truth is that you will have to continue to earn that. So if you begin to slack, if you begin to degrade your approach, you are going to start tarnishing that trust. And you could down the road result in, in starting to lose that trust from parts of your formation. And then you're starting to see fractured formation. So it's important to, to just stay ahead of that and just be a, an effective leader. So when I think about why does trust matter, I think a couple of very practical things that come to mind is that as a military leader, we simply do not have the luxury of being able to explain everything every time. Sometimes you just have to take the hill. In order to be able to do that, in order to be able to take action without 100 questions or without a lack of action, there has to be trust there because you're going to do what you're told without asking a bunch of clarifying questions. And yes, there's discipline that fits into there, but there's also the trust piece because if there was a complete absence of trust, you may start to trend into a different direction. I also think there's an aspect of threshold of performance. I could have the most talented team in the world and that team may perform at a 75% optimization level relative to their potential. And in order for those individuals as individuals or those individuals as a collective team to have the motivation, the desire to push to 100%, to really, really reach for the stars, to reach for those stretch goals, to make everybody better, I think there has to be an environment of trust there. Otherwise, they're not going to see that as a worthwhile investment because maybe they don't think that it'll be recognized or it'll be valued if they don't trust their leadership, if they don't trust the organization, that's going to lack a little bit of, of, the, of the, maybe the backside of that decision. I think personal safety has another component. The reality of it is that this is a dangerous business. And if you don't trust your leadership and your leadership is telling you to do something that's inherently jeopardizing your personal safety, there's going to be a problem there. And so I think that's a, that's a very real component. Okay, so let's transition to thinking about trust from your experience as a follower. Both of you gentlemen have been in the service for a while now, have been very successful, uh, credentialed, capable, excellent non-commissioned officers and leaders. So you have the t-shirt, as they say, of being a follower as well, because you had to get here somehow, right? From your experience as a follower, describe to me how trust impacted you. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about that sort of actually this, I didn't realize how much this topic um, really illustrated what shaped me into the leader I am today until I started looking back. Uh, when I joined the army, it was uh, right before the surge kicked off in Iraq. Uh, during that time, as, as we all know, looking back there, there was a certain amount of toxic leadership that was present in our formation. The more you start to to learn and the more you're trained, you're being told your NCO is going to take care of you. Just always follow them, always do what they say and everything uh, will be good. That was not necessarily the case for me. I, I deployed pretty soon after arriving at my first unit and about halfway through my extended deployment during the surge, uh, half of my NCOs were relieved for war crimes. Myself and my, my peers lived in fear at times because we didn't know what we could do or should do. It seemed that leaders were untouchable. 
And at times we fear for our lives because we were put in positions that would put our lives more in danger than necessary. So there's a lot of retribution from leaders down to the lower level. And so that really broke down my trust in leadership. And at the time I was in the middle of my first contract, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Coming back from that deployment, learning a lot of those lessons, I came to a realization and that was I decided that I wanted to become a non-commissioned officer. And my one goal was to ensure that no soldier ever suffered under that type of leadership again. And that has been my battle cry ever since. Soldiers first, everything we do is centered around them. So I think as a follower in the beginning of my career, uh, the breakdown of trust is, is what really affected me, but ultimately in a good way. I think it really, for lack of better terms to pull from Sergeant Major Burke was I, I had a lot of examples of what the wrong thing was. I needed to go out and look for what the right way was. So as Sergeant First Class Collins was saying, he said that he was, you know, afraid to ask questions, afraid to do some things at that time because there was a lack of trust there. He didn't trust his NCOs who were in charge of him. Now, different kind of on a different side of it, from my aspect, the trust that I had in my my NCOs that came up, yeah, I've had negative leadership here and there. Everybody has. But at the same time, it's driven me to be better, be the NCO and not do the things they did. When I when I first got soldiers, I'd been in the army for a year. I became a corporal and I said that I was not going to do what my team leader did to me to these soldiers. So I dove into their life. These guys are my friends one day and the next day I was their leader. So I knew them very well as it was. I knew how they worked. But when it came to me building the trust as their leader, what I was going to do for them, it made me want to work harder, not just for them, but as myself. I wanted to be I wanted to be an NCO. When we went through Platoon Stone University, I was lacking the tools and the knowledge and like the base of how do I how do I build better trust with my soldiers? And what I took away from it is we got a book called Emotional Intelligence and I read it. Started applying things at home, almost using my wife as a test bunny, you know, just kind of like working certain things, certain things that worked at home. I started using that work, talking to my soldiers, coming in every day, having a conversation with them. And it started building more trust within our formation, not just with me as an NCO, but with all the NCOs together. Me, I've had great trust in my leadership. They've always been there for me. And it's made me work harder. It's made me push to the next next spot. And even now, I'm still a follower as a leader, as an NCO. I'm still following First Sergeant. He tells me how to do something. I have the trust in First Sergeant that one day he's setting me up for success to take his job. And I want to continue what he developed there and make it better in any way I can. When I think about my experiences as a, as a follower, and I've got years and years of them, I too have a host of negative experiences to draw from and gratefully, a host of positive experiences to draw from. But the one thing that stands out to me is that my ability or inability to identify with a leader personally is a real barrier to trust. And the more that I came to terms with that truth, that need for people to be able to identify with you as a human being, the more I started to realize the power of humility and the power of vulnerability. The army that I grew up in, in the earliest years, was certainly an army where the harder you were, the better you were. Never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you eat. Never let them see you wear snivel gear. Never let them see you show emotion other than anger and rage. No emotions, no weakness. You, you just, you know, you're not human. You're superhuman. 
the further I've gotten along in my experience, the more I've realized the error in that approach. A little bit of humanity goes a long way. And a soldier, to your point, Sergeant Roundtree, about willingness to ask for help, right? Or Sergeant First Class Collins, your approach about investment or buy-in, to be believable, right? To be believable as a leader, there's an element of humanity, I think, that underpins and kind of justifies, verifies all that stuff. Because if I can't identify with you, if I can't relate to you at all, then it's hard for me to see that personal connection that ultimately ends up being, you know, the bridge of that trust. And that's not to say that I want to be your, you know, your best friend or I'm not being professional. That humanity, humans make mistakes. Humans don't have the right answer all the time. And so I think as I, as I consider, as I reflect on my experiences as a, as a follower, I am reminded of how much of a limitation or an enabler that human component was and the ability to identify or that inability to identify with a leader. And once I understood that, it certainly became a powerful realization for me as a leader. And so that's a good transition. The next thing that I want to talk about is to get your insights and consider from your experience as a leader, what role has trust played in your decisions or your actions? I think one important thing I've taken away through my maturation in the Army, sir, is that the realization that everybody is different. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. They have different experiences. They have different things that motivate them. Uh, when we understand that, that our formations are diverse and that in such our approach needs to be diverse as well, then we can really settle in with this, this topic of trust. And I'd like to summarize a thought from something I actually read from my squadron commander's leadership philosophy recently. And it was a line in his leadership philosophy that was the only one in bold and it said, you do not have to earn my trust, you have it. That line immediately struck me. The first opportunity I had where I was given the opportunity to be a platoon sergeant was I stepped into a platoon that was in disarray. It was the weakest in the squadron. They needed help. And one of the first things that was handed to me was a red folder. And it was filled with some UCMJ recommendations for a soldier. Get rid of him. Here's the packet. And what I saw was that he didn't have any leadership intervention in his life. They, they loved to spell out everything he had done wrong, but there was nothing in there that showed what could we have done to improve this soldier or set him up for success. So I made that determination then that when I step to in front of a formation, everybody gets a fresh start. I'm going to spell out my expectations and let them know how we conduct business. And from there on out, nothing else matters at that point from the past. And then I'm very proud that that soldier, being my first example, he excelled. He immediately changed his ways and he became one of my top performers and is now currently a staff sergeant still in the United States Army. He turned into an absolute outstanding soldier and he reached out to me uh, after he had PCS'd at one point and he thanked me for believing in him and giving him that opportunity and it changed his Yeah, that's powerful. That's a powerful testimony of how big of an impact trust can have in an individual's ability to reach their potential. When you're talking about trust, it's like you may not be able to interact with your soldiers because they have different interests with you, but it's not wrong to try to find that interest with your soldiers. And that just comes to my experiences when I do my barracks inspections. I don't play video games. I'm barely on my phone. I like to read books. I like to watch movies and everything like that. 
But when I go to the barracks and they're playing a video game, there's nothing that's going to stop me from, hey, let me, let me try it out and play together and like have a nice bond together with something. And it turns into them, wow, he really took time out of his day to sit down with me and talk and just relax. And, and you have to force yourself to find a bond with your soldiers. You may not like it, but they're going to see that you're trying and they're going to trust that you trust that you're trying to bond with them. And then when it comes, when you go into work on a non-personal time, they're going to invest and have that buy-in that Sergeant First Class Collins was talking about, have that buy-in to the job and understand that, wow, Sergeant Roundtree is motivated about reconnaissance. Maybe I should try it and see where I can develop myself because he just took the time out of his day to come play a video game with me. We need to do more of that. And yeah, there's struggles. There is going to be struggles. There's going to be some people that you just have nothing in common with as soldiers and they just come to work and they work for you, but you have to try. You have to have not just the buy-in to the job, you have to have buy-in into your soldiers and what their personal life goals are because not everybody's going to be in the army forever. When I think about trust and my experience, I certainly can reflect on what Sergeant First Class Collins was talking about with his rehabilitation vignette of that particular soldier and, and that particular soldier not having had a chance. You can fail and not be a failure. And how do you institute that mindset in your organization and make your soldiers believe that they can fail and not be a failure? Because they're going to fail. We're all going to fail. We're humans. We're going to make mistakes. And whether it's failure on a grand scale or failure on a micro scale, we're going to make mistakes. As a leader, how do you address it? How do you allow people to fail and not be a failure? I would say that an additional aspect on that is while you are engaging that soldier, while you are restoring that trust and that soldier is now back on track, others are watching. And so when you think that that trust building or that trust erosion is a very you know, personal one-on-one -on -one endeavor, it really is a group exercise. And that's how climates happen. That's how cultures firm up. And so from my perspective as a leader, one thing that stands out to me with trust is realize that, yes, your interactions with that one follower have very real, very deep impacts on that follower, but they also have very real impacts on their peers, left and right, top and bottom, because everything you do is now setting a new standard for that organization. And if you take time to invest in people, if you treat people, uh, if you allow people to fail without being a failure, if you take a rehabilitative stance as much as possible, certainly the Army has its zero defect, and, and rightfully so. Things in 2CR we like to categorize as fratricide, sharp and racism and things of that nature where you know there really is no developmental track for that other than... Uh, improving yourself. But as we think about that interaction and that trust building, that trust restoration, I think as a leader, I reflect on the fact that it has very real impacts on the organization because you're setting a new standard as you do that. For the young and upcoming leaders out there, whether you are rising into a position or you're newly in a position, those new squad leaders, new team leaders, new platoon leaders, uh, as you're getting ready to rise into a new position or you're in a new position, how would you coach them up on trust? If you could only tell them one or two things about trust to really set them up for success, 
what would be that one or two things that you would tell me as a, as a new leader? The first thing that comes to mind on that topic is do not be afraid to hold yourself accountable and be vulnerable in front of your subordinates. And with that, I mean, let them see you make the mistakes. Don't be the leader that tries to cover it up and seem that you are infallible. Uh, that's not how we progress as a formation. What they need to see is how you react to that, how you deal with that. Uh, what are you going to do about your flaws and your failures? Are you going to share that experience with everybody? Or are you going to get the help you need? And that could be in professional or in personal life. Once they see you as another human and see what you go through, they're more liable to follow. They're not going to question your leadership when they see those attributes. I think the other thing I would bring up is understanding priorities. I think we get bogged down too often in different adages that we've just been regurgitating because we've heard them through our whole career, maybe earlier. But understanding your priorities, it's usually lined up at what's best for the army, what's best for the unit, and then what's best for the soldier. But you have to understand that sometimes those things can coexist. What is best for the army and the unit is to have well-oiled, fine-tuned soldiers. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of them because at the end of the day, who's driving those vehicles? Who's pulling the triggers? Who's doing all these things that we do in our mission? The soldiers are the one common denominator there always. They're, they're the continuity. So make sure you're taking care of our most important asset. And if you don't know what questions to ask, if you don't feel like you're being fed and you're hungry for more information, if it's not coming from your immediate superior, if it's not coming laterally, go find it. Go feed yourself and get that knowledge and just be a leader. It doesn't take a non-commissioned officer to do it. You can be a leader without the rank, without the position, and you will put yourself into those set things. Realistically, you have to find why your soldiers come to work. Whether it's just for the money or if they're trying to go to school afterwards, you have to find what their why is and why they're coming here and why they decide to join for their family, to find discipline, to have a better life, wherever they came from. Because when you talk to your soldiers, like Sergeant Francisco is saying, show your vulnerability. None of us have been perfect the entire Army career. Not a single NCO, not a single soldier, and not a single officer has been perfect their entire career. They have made mess ups. And when you express those vulnerabilities that you have shown, your soldiers are going to start coming to you with more things that you didn't ever think were ever going to come out of that soldier's mouth. So both, both great insights and very practical and actionable advice for our young and upcoming leaders out there or current leaders for that matter. I think if I were to take a, take a hack at it, I would come back to where I started, which was my own personal definition of trust. And I think that if trust to me means that I believe your identity and your intentions, then in order for me to give advice about trust, I would start there. To me, for your identity to be believable, you've got to be authentic. You've got to be sincere. You've got to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be, you know, you can be strive to be like a role model, but nobody is better at being you than you. And so being authentic, being believable, being sincere, I've found goes a long way with soldiers. And then when it comes to your intentions, the worst thing you can do to muddy your intentions is to have an integrity issue or to be inconsistent. So integrity, honesty, consistency, 
that your soldiers know where you're coming from, know how you think, know why you do the things you do. And the more that you explain that to them, you share your rationale, you share your decision-making process, you share what you're concerned about, share what you don't know, what keeps you up at night. The more that you share that dialogue, that, that what's inside of your head, what are you concerned about, what are you focused on, the more that you reinforce with integrity and consistency, the more you are believable to your soldiers. And then the second thing that I would say, and very briefly, is that, you know, Staff Sergeant Roundtree earlier very wisely mentioned that uh, this stuff goes on at home as well. And, and I'll make just the comparison to relationships are relationships are relationships. The dynamics of trust building and trust cultivation and preservation and importance in a military unit is not wildly indifferent to the trust that you're building inside of your home. You know, I've been married for 20 years. I have four children. One thing that I know about the trust that I have with them is that it doesn't happen in a single day. It wasn't built in a day and it's not lost in a day. It's a long-term project. But just because it's not built or lost in a day doesn't mean that it can't be really messed up in a day or it can't be really advanced in a day. Realize that your actions are incredibly important every single day. But as long as you are staying on the high ground and as long as you are being honest and sincere in your actions and your intentions, that is an enduring investment. It is the proverbial bank account. And you're going to continue to make contributions to that account, investments in that account, going back to what you talked about, Sergeant First Class Collins, the investments. You're going to continue to make deposits in that account. And there will come a day where you have to draw down on that account. And you have to tell them to do something and you don't have the luxury of explaining it. Or you have to do something that, well, maybe runs kind of counter to common sense, but it's part of the larger mission. It just has to be done. Continuing on the theme of practical application, I think it's a very interesting and pertinent trust dilemma that we face as leaders and followers when you lose trust. So what I'd like to do is just propose the question to our esteemed panel here. If you are a leader who loses trust in a follower, or conversely, if you're a follower who loses trust in a leader, what practical steps would you take to restore that trust? Regarding having a possible leader that you might lose trust in, at the end of the day, trust is something nice to have. But as I said before, mission has to go on. The mission has to be met. Uh, the number one thing that I would action on would be just communication. Now, there's not much you can control when you go to somebody superior and how they will perceive the information or how they will even receive the information you are trying to give. But what's important is that it's in the best interest in that overall goal that we keep talking about. You need to be comfortable going to your superiors and speaking with them if you feel like you've lost trust in them. If you don't speak it on, on the leader's behalf, they may not be aware. And I think as a leader, it's important to be approachable at all times and, and at the very least, listen to what everybody has to say. Now, they may not know, have the whole picture in front of them. They may not understand everything. But when you just brush people away, that immediately continues to just shut down that trust. As Trump was saying, communication, it comes at all levels, whether you're talking to your superior or you're talking to your subordinates. 
the more you're going to talk to them and more you're going to communicate with them and you're going to start seeing like what the real problem is. And the more and more you are communicating with them, spending time with them, you're going to start building that trust back that you have with them because they're going to start doing the right thing. When you communicate with a soldier, they're going to start wondering, why is he talking to me a little bit more? Am I doing something wrong? I need to start working harder. And he's going to start working harder to build that trust back with you because he's going to realize that you don't trust him when you're spot checking everything he's doing or you're holding his hand through something that is a task that he has. Building that trust back, it's a long process. As an NCO or a leader, once you lose trust in somebody, it's extremely hard to build back. It is. You're not with them 24 hours a day. You don't know what they're doing in their off time. But once you start communicating with them more, you're going to start building that trust back a little bit more because they're going to start talking to you more, coming up with more questions, and they can ask all the questions they want, and you're going to guide them in the right way. And that's how you're going to build that trust back within your, within your subordinates. So both of our non-commissioned officers emphasize communication when it comes to rebuilding trust, whether that's from follower to leader or leader to follower. And, and I think that's absolutely right. I would add to it that I think assuming good intentions goes a long way. Uh, sometimes when you lose trust in a follower, assuming that it's not from you know one baseless act of character and it's more just a, maybe a downturn in performance or or maybe it's a, a, a personality conflict or just kind of the grind of day-to-day -day operations and you start to just kind of go less and less to that individual or, or trust less and less in that individual's ability to deliver uh, great results. A lot of times there could be more going on than you realize. And I think this goes to your point, Sarah Roundtree, about knowing your people. So if you assume good intention, sometimes that can expose what the real problem is, and then everybody can kind of just get on with it. Uh, similarly, I think it's interesting as I reflect back on my own experience at nearly every point, and I hope I'm past this at this point, but certainly when I think about when I was a young, headstrong platoon leader, uh, my company commander was so screwed up. And when I was a young, headstrong company commander, my S3 was so screwed up. When I was a young, headstrong S3, my battalion commander was so screwed up, right? I mean, you always are going to look up and say, Ah oh, man, this is all, you know, that old, those bastards at squad, right? I mean, it's, it's always higher headquarters fault. It's always your senior, senior leader's fault. When in reality, you never fully understand the expanse of those responsibilities, the challenges that that leader faces until you walk a mile in their shoes. And so that's a lesson that I learned coming up through the ranks was that you really have to have some self-discipline as it pertains to being critical of the level that's above you. Until you have the opportunity to serve at that level, you don't fully understand what that leader is working through. And so when I think about leader to follower or follower to leader, I think that there's, there's value in assuming good intentions. And in that vein, striving for empathy, trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes to see another perspective, at least to confirm or deny that your observation is not just emotionally charged or to confirm or deny that you're not just writing somebody off based on a single incident. You know, that's another thing that I would encourage people to do is, you know, just give give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, nobody should nobody should rise or fall based on a single act unless that single act is something that our army has determined is a zero defect event. 
But if we're just talking about the scrum of everyday activity, just leading and serving and getting stuff right, getting stuff wrong and growing up and making mistakes, look for the average. Look for the average. Look for trend lines. And uh, and that's really how you're going to assess character is over time. And as you assess that character, so too uh, do you start to look at trust. Okay, so I'd like to give a huge Dragoon thank you to Sergeant First Class Collins, Staff Sergeant Roundtree. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me today to talk about this incredibly important topic, not just a military leadership topic, but a life topic, trust. We've got to get trust right. It's important. It's central. If we look at the Army's mission command philosophy, the principles of mission command, one of those principles is cohesive teams built upon mutual trust. We've got to get trust right. It underpins everything. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. I know I learned a lot, and I hope that our listeners learned a lot as well. This is Dragoon 6 signing off.